0: Hi, hello, and welcome to Coding Fix. This is our fifth episode, and hey, you know what, let's just dive right into it. This episode, we're going to be talking all about QA. Now, this is a topic that I've had on my roadmap since the start, but wasn't actually anticipating touching on it, at least for another few episodes or so. But there have been some, uh, let's say, events in the gaming world, which have sped this plan along a bit. Now, if you don't already know, I am one of the hosts of Gaming Fix. It is a podcast all about video games, the industry, uh, what it's like to make games, what the games we've been playing, news, etc. And a story which has been big in the gaming industry, oh boy, for the past, let's say, eight years, but more specifically within the past two or three months, is Cyberpunk 2077. Now, if you are not familiar with Cyberpunk 2077 or not familiar with games in general, I'm just going to give a really brief overview. Uh, It's essentially a game which has been in development for those eight years, uh, though apparently only really actively in development for the past two or three, but that's a separate conversation. And a lot of people have been very, very, very much looking forward to it. Uh, There's a lot of anticipation because the studio who makes it, CD Projekt Red, or CD Projekt Red, depending how you want to pronounce it, um, they made one of the biggest games of all time called The Witcher 3. Uh, Now, that meant that when they announced that they were doing this cyberpunk property, people's expectations were crazy high. And for good reason. They generally make good games. But they also have... A reputation for not being the greatest place to work at after uh, games like The Witcher 3. They have been attributed to crunch culture. And we've talked briefly about crunch in the previous episodes. Uh, maybe we'll do a whole episode about it someday. But if you're interested in reading more about my thoughts on crunch, I do have an article on fix.space, fyx.space, and I will make sure to leave a link to that in this episode's description. With that reputation, that meant that they were under scrutinous eyes ever since they started development on Cyberpunk. People questioning if they were going to be crunching, uh, questioning if the quality was going to be there at launch, things like that. But people were still very, very, very excited. And in the winter of 2020, the game finally came out. It finally hit store shelves. Uh, This was after a significant amount of delays, as well as just a lot of, let's call it not so favorable press. But the game came out, and that's what we're going to talk about, because the game came out and the reception was pretty mixed. There was a lot of people who really loved it, and there was a lot of people who looked at it and said, oh boy, this is a buggy mess that is nearly unplayable. And for some people on older systems like PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, it was essentially unplayable. It was constantly crashing. It was running at seconds per frame almost instead of frames per second. Uh it was really really bad. And this led to Sony, uh owners of the PlayStation pulling the game off of their stores because CD Project Red said, "Hey, if you don't like the game, just go get a refund from wherever you bought it from without consulting the actual places that were putting those games out." Generally, that's not a great idea. <laughs> so All of this leads to something that one of the leads, one of the heads of CD Projekt Red said just a few weeks ago, which was essentially saying that they did not catch these issues when they were making them, and really threw their QA team under the bus. They basically blamed the QA team. Now, developers all over the world were not happy with this, because it was not the QA team's fault. And it led to a lot of people having conversations, saying things where it was fairly clear that they didn't actually know what a QA team does or what their responsibilities are. So that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Inspired by that kind of firestorm that came after the statements, as well as just the buggy mess that is Cyberpunk 2077, I would like to take the time to properly explain what QA does, what their responsibilities are, and how they contribute to a team. know what? Not only just how they contribute to a team, how they are basically the backbone to any development team. So let's dive in. What does QA do? QA is an acronym, as you might expect. Uh, And what it stands for is quality assurance. So if you want to be really reductive and super simplify it, It is essentially the role of testing software, testing games, testing whatever it might be. This goes for hardware as well, you know, testing it to look for any faults, for errors, for bugs, for things that are not behaving the way you expect them to, or, you know, to make sure that they are behaving the way you expect them to, that also works. And people who work in quality assurance have a very analytical mindset they are trying to think very far outside the box to see if our software is going to break in ways that we never even could have anticipated. They think about it from the perspective of a user, so just an everyday Joe Schmo who is using our program for the first time, and thinking about the standard errors those people might produce. Like if they're typing in their name and they make it all numbers or all spaces, or they basically copy and paste the entirety of Gone with the Wind into the name field, Kiway is going to do that to test our software and find the limits to where it will break. And I cannot overstate how valuable that is because we as developers in general, um, we will test what we call the happy path or the golden path, which is we want to make sure it works. So we're putting in the exact input we know works and We test it at step one, two, three, et cetera, until it ends and it works and we're happy. We're like, yes, perfect, ship it, it works. But we often lose sight of the fact that everyday people don't use our software in ways that we would ever expect. And again, that is why the mindset of QA is just so fantastic. So uh, in a lot of cases, they are doing all of this testing manually. Uh, they are receiving instructions from us as developers as to what we anticipate the golden path is, uh, what we anticipate the input to be, what we anticipate the output to be, and then we hand it to them, and they get to try and break it as much as they want, and usually they do. So, again, they can do this manually, but they also have automated tools. I'm not going to dive too deep into that, but really good QA teams are um, very adept at using tools like Selenium, where they will be able to set up automated tests which which can go through just permutations of different ways to break your app without having to do it themselves. And those are also fantastic. But let's say they do find something wrong. What is their next step? Well, generally what they'll do is they will write it up. They will take exact notes on what they did to create the problem. They ensure that they can reproduce the problem so that they can make sure it's happening consistently. And then they hand those back to us as the developer who created it to say, Hey, the thing you wrote is broken in this exact way. You're probably going to want to fix that before you ship it. This kind of feedback is invaluable to us as developers. It is so, so, so useful and, It also kind of brings light to the fact that, I think I mentioned this in probably episode one, where as a developer, you need to be open to constructive criticism and recognize that the code you are writing is not defining who you are as a human. So if someone criticizes the code that you have made and says, hey, it is broken in these ways, or asks you to justify why you made certain choices, it's not a personal attack. It's just to make the software work as well as it can. And QA are generally really good at this. And the best QA I've worked with have been very diplomatic about it. They are not rude. They are just very matter-of-fact saying, hey, this is exactly what's happening here. And generally leave it up to you to come up with a solution. Their job is not necessarily to propose solutions. Their job is not necessarily to fix any of the bugs they find. They're just there to find them. That is primarily the role. And honestly, that's for the best because that means they have separation from the act of creating the software. They are purely people using it. Yes, they can look in. If you've ever heard of the term black box versus white box, they can be black box, which is essentially, think of your television. You push a button to turn it on and it works. You do not push the button and then watch the circuit go all the way through and watch all the capacitors and resistors it's going through and analyze how it's working. No, it is just a black box that you cannot see inside. It is abstracted to you, you push a button and it works. QA does do that. They also do white box, which is they look inside the TV. They know how all the circuit works. And that is also a valid way of doing it, but they are generally not writing the software. Separation of concerns is another way we can put this. Now, let's contextualize that in the entire life cycle or development cycle of writing some feature or program, or however you want to think of it. We as a developer will be given, let's say, a ticket in a Jira system or agile methodology kind of scenario. So we are given something to work on. We write it. We put it in, it goes through a code review, a merge review, a pull request, however you want to look at it, and it gets uh, approved by our peers. The next thing we do is we say, okay, it is good to go. We are going to hand that over to QA for testing before it makes its way into our, our main branch, into our actual software, because they are our last line of defense. It needs to go through some kind of testing through QA, in order to assure, quality assure, hey, uh, that it is suitable for release to our users. If it passes QA, if they say, yep, it's good to go, then they give it a check mark, they hand it back to you and say, put it out there. Let the world see it, baby. And we do, wonderful. If they find some failings with it, then what they give back to you will depend on the severity. If it's very minor and they don't think it will affect users, they might say, hey, there's this little issue with it, but whatever, who cares, it's fine. Known shippable. Uh, (laughs) Like it's a bug or some kind of deficiency that we know is there, but it's not a big enough problem for us to justify development time for fixing it. That's reasonable. But if it's what we call a fatal bug, where it will crash the system, or it will crash the user's computer, or if it's on hardware, if it will destroy the hardware and brick it, which means it just doesn't work anymore, then we cannot ship that. That cannot make it to market. If it reaches that point, the QA are generally going to hand the ticket back to us, the feature back to us, the program back to us, whatever. They hand it back to us, and instead of having a big green check mark and they say, yep, ship it, they say, nah, that cannot go out until you fix it. So they have acknowledged that this cannot be seen by users, and we need to invest developer time to fix the issue. Once we have done that, we hand it back to QA again after it's been fixed, they check it again, they go through a whole rigorous set of tests, and then if it, if it finally passes, we say, great, we have passed the gatekeeper, this goes through. And essentially, that's what QA is, a gatekeeper. They are arguably the most important part of shipping software. Because if we are shipping broken software to people all around the world, then that's not great. It affects our reputation it affects people's trust in us and sometimes it can have an adverse effect on people's devices that's not cool so again I was not really exaggerating by saying that QA is essentially the backbone of any development team they are essential and their responsibility is huge because again we cannot ship broken software, especially if it will affect users' computers. Now, there is oftentimes kind of a stigma associated with QA, saying that, oh, they aren't really developers, or you know, they're not actually part of the software development process, or if you're a game tester, then all you're doing is sitting there and playing games all day, ha ha, have fun. Uh, but no, QA people generally are very technically minded. And a lot of QA roles are actually developers. They are developers just like you who are writing the software. It's just a developer in a different role. There is what we call an engineer in test. They are engineers who write testing frameworks. They are engineers who write tests, uh, automated tests like we were talking about. They are engineers. They know how the stuff works. They are not just random people who don't actually know how technology works. They're generally experts in some field or another and i just wanted to say that because qa is so so important and i cannot overstate that i'm sorry if it sounds like i'm rambling on this point but let's bring this back to the cyberpunk statement so i can full circle loop it back around to what my point was with this the head of cd project red blamed all of the bugs on qa they said that it was qa's fault that it did not get tracked that nothing went through and you know oh they weren't even aware that there were those problems because of qa i'm not going to mince words that is a lie that is a straight up lie and the qa team at that company is amazing there is no chance that a qa team of that caliber did not find those problems because QA teams find and log everything. They find stuff you never even would consider to exist. But any bug that you've ever known, any bug you've ever seen in any kind of program or game or whatever, the QA team knows. The development team knows because the QA team told them. And for a manager of a huge company like that to say, oh, it's the QA team's fault, that is a lie, that is disingenuous, and it is just so awful the actual people who were at fault in that scenario were the people in that video it was the management because what happens is remember how our workflow works and that we have the developer who creates a feature or program whatever hands it off to qa qa hands it back with either a big green check mark or a big red x and if it has a big red x they fix it now I didn't talk about the fact that it isn't actually the developer's choice as to what gets fixed. So yes, the developer will get the big red X back and they will say, okay, I need to fix this. But ultimately, it is up to the management to decide if it should be fixed. It is the management's decision as to whether we should allocate resources to fixing the problems that QA found. And that is what broke in the CDPR pipeline. QA, I can almost assure you, even though I haven't looked at their documents because they're all internal, that QA knew every single problem. And I can almost assure you that every one of them got reported and sent back to developers. It was management's decision to not fix those issues. And I just really, really want to reiterate that it's the people in that video whose fault it is. It is not qa's fault qa does not fix the bugs like we said the separation of concerns they are handing the report back they are not the ones fixing the bugs so no the issues with cyberpunk 2077 were not because of the qa team and honestly that brings us to the end of this episode it was kind of a short one kind of a ranty one and Sorry that it was a little bit negative, but I really do want to emphasize just how important QA is and how often misunderstood they are by people who are not developers or not QA, people who have not worked in the field. And it's really important to understand how important their role is and just how much they contribute to any project. So with that, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you found this useful, please feel free to reach out anytime over Twitter at fyx podcasts at fixpodcasts, or sending me an email with coding at fyx.space, fix.space. Always happy to hear feedback. Always happy to hear any comments, questions, concerns, anything you want to talk about. The next episode will be a bit more structured. It will be a bit more informational, so we can get back to kind of teaching some topics. Uh, but this episode in particular, again, was more of a response to some false information. I look forward to getting back into more kind of educational material next episode. And uh, yes, we're going to be having a panel of guests joining for another future episode. The dates we're still working out because we're working across different time zones and just different schedules. But once we get that set up, we will have a couple of good guest episodes for you too. So again, thank you for joining. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Have a great day and talk with you again soon.